episode 412, Watching No One Will Save You with John Haru. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and it's October. So that means that at least once I'm going to be talking about some sort of scary movie with not Evan. <laughs> so welcome, not Evan. How you doing? <laughs> That's me. I, 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 am, I am diet Evan. I'm, I'm just one calorie not Evan enough. <laughs> Hey, so this is a, a movie that I just happened to turn on. It was my day off, and I was just kind of sitting back. Uh, I had the house to myself because of school and of uh, work schedules and everything. It was just me, and I turned on Hulu. I can't remember why. I, might, I think it might have been to watch uh, Futurama because they were doing some new episodes. And I saw a trailer for this movie, and I thought, oh, the, I'll watch this trailer. And then I thought, oh, I'm not just going to watch the trailer. I'm going to watch this movie. This looks kind of good. Maybe my thing, you know, and I'm watching it. I don't even think I was done with it when I had asked you if you had seen it or not. Uh, but I, I did say to myself, this is something that if John hasn't seen, I think he might like to see. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of it before. Uh, Hulu has been... Uh, steady losing my respect as a streaming company for the past several months now. So I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. And so you're like, Hey, go check out this Hulu exclusive. I'm like, cool. <laughs> uh, but you had described it to me as an alien home invasion movie. And I'm like, that's an interesting concept. But you also said, go in as blind <laughs> as you can. And I'm like, I can respect that. And the only reason why I even watched the trailer was because, you know, my wife wanted to know if she wanted to watch it and she doesn't like to go in completely blind on things. So. Yeah. So I, I would say that too, like if you're listening right now and you think what John just said, it's an alien home invasion movie. Uh, it's, it's more than that. There's definitely more to it than that, but that was just the very quickest way I could think of to explain like kind of what it was to see if I could pique John's interest. Um, I would say if any of that slightly remotely interests you, go watch it, go watch it. Uh, if not listen to this episode, but it's going to be very, very hard for us to talk about this episode without spoiling some pretty important, uh, details that just need to be talked about to really just have a conversation, an intelligent conversation about this movie. And so we're going to play the spoiler organ soon ish. We're going to try and dance around it a little bit. <laughs> but well, I think I think another another caveat I would add to the go in as blank as possible would be that there are certain how to put it presentational elements that are utilized in this movie that I think are more mind bending 
if you pick up on it yourself rather than somebody telling you about it. Yeah. And I was very intentional not saying anything about that to John when uh, I was I was texting him about it. And uh, that was something else, though. The trailer does not give you any indication of what you're talking about. So that's, that that right. was also good. It was a surprise to me even having seen the trailer. So it was there's just some very interesting elements to this, the least of which is the twist endings. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh mm. <laughs> so John is a regular uh, guest host here on strangers and aliens. He's what we call strangers and aliens family. I usually bring him on in October because it gives us a chance to talk about some sort of scary movie. Uh, I also am hoping to get him on soon to talk about star Trek three, but I've been talking about doing that for, I don't know, months. I'm ready to go, man. Many just, months. Just yeah. pull the trigger and <laughs> I got the movie ready to go. So not just scary stuff, but, um, but you do have a little more of stomach for it than, than Evan does. So, or Steve, uh, and, and I don't, I don't begrudge people, you know, just, you know, just, just because I'm into it doesn't mean everybody else has to be, you like something cause you like it. And right. Well, there, there's definitely, there's taste and there is interest and there is how much can you handle? You know, it's, right. So it's not just the taste; it's also what can you stomach. You know, yeah. So uh, I can, I can, I can concede to that. Yeah. So in broad, broad terms, this is a PG thirteen horror movie, so to speak. And so be aware that there are jump scares, there are scary moments, um, but yeah, I I don't know how we can do this without spoiling <laughs> and so john it, I, do you a, recommend do you recommend no one will save you to someone and who would you recommend it to we talked um, about it a little bit but i think we just have to jump to that and then we can i will say this I, I i think there this is something that can be said about this movie spoiler free um given that it is only pg-13 um I I was shocked at the amount of at the amount of intensity or ferocity that went into the violence of this movie for PG thirteen, um, like the movie the movie the movies that I'm into that this that this movie scratched the itch for are it would be like movies like uh, the Equalizer or Nobody or uh, uh, Kill Em killing them softly you know e either like home invasion or uh um what's the word uh someone going out and attacking bad guys for the vigilanteism yeah vigilante style movies yeah which are typically like ultra violent or Wrath of Man's another good one like that. And it really scratched that itch. And all those hmm. movie other all those other movies that I just described are rated R for violence and uh blood. Uh and I, so when when it was PG thirteen, I'm like, wow, this is pretty uh ferocious for PG thirteen. But it, I mean it was good. I, I I enjoyed it for scratching that itch for sure. So yeah. Very action packed. Uh, so, with the recommendation that you just asked for, uh, who would I recommend it to? Anybody who's into those movies that I just described to you, or anybody who 
was able to get into movies like the fourth kind. Yeah. Or close encounters of the third kind. I mean, the trailer, the trailer, that's the reason I watched it was because the trailer made me feel like, Oh, this is kind of a riff on, uh, the home invasion where the little boy gets kidnapped by aliens, uh, in close encounters of the third kind. It goes in some very different places though. And it just, it, it goes to some different places there. Yeah. There's emotion. There's pathos. There is style. There is, I mean, all sorts of things going on that just, I wasn't expecting. I wasn't sure I was getting into the few times where something happened that I was expecting it. It did the thing that I was expecting and then turned around into something else. I wasn't expecting after that. And so it was just this kind of, keeping me on the edge of my seat, keeping me interested. And then, and then the ending and it just was, huh? That, that and the ending. ending required a lot of thought, <laughs> a lot of thought. Um, I, I, I will say in, in watching this movie, I've, I've had a recurring thought since then that kind of ties into some other strangers and aliens content. When you did the, uh, um, weak connections on the uh, Spielberg alien trilogy. <laughs> and it, 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 this feels like uh, the, this movie almost feels like a response to that video as an apology <laughs> for war of the worlds. Like the, this, I, I feel like this, if Steven Spielberg would have put this movie out instead, like he would have had that solid trilogy like that. This feels like the war of the worlds that people want would want to me yeah yeah. okay so those of you who have not seen it if we have not convinced you so far i'm going to play the spoiler music and you can continue to listen and it'll be okay we'll talk about what the movie is about we'll talk about what the movie is trying to say and what we think it's trying to say we'll talk about how it's trying to say it and and that but uh i'm going to play the spoiler music now to give people the out so you can go and watch this movie on hulu I don't know if you can get a free trial period if you need to do that or if you already have Hulu, uh, but it is a Hulu exclusive. It's, uh, I believe it's 20th Century Fox, so it was a Disney movie, but um, yeah. So here comes the spoiler music. Real quick before you hit that spoiler sure. organ, I, I, I just want to say, I think, I think you and I could probably both agree on this much of this movie uh, that uh, even if you can't get a free subscription to Hulu. This movie by itself is probably worth the price of admission for a month. Yeah, I would, I would say this is a theater experience movie. Right. Um, I, and it may have been, I don't know if it was in theaters much at all, but it, it was made by, by it was made as a Hulu original. So okay. I, yeah. All right. Yeah. It, I, I would say, Especially since if you do one month of Hulu, you're going to be get the chance to watch other movies that are on there. So for sure, yeah. So it's like a movie ticket with bonus extras, and right? you can watch some of the new season of Futurama or whatever. So, <laughs> so. okay, here comes the spoiler organ. Spoilers. Spoilers. Right, John, man, I am so curious what you have to say about this movie. There are okay, seven words. Okay. 
No, 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 no. Your seven-word movie review. I'm not. I'm not saying I have a seven-word movie review. I'm saying there are seven words (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) They say it's just one or one line or whatever. There's more. There's a little bit more. If you're looking at, uh, (laughs) if you're looking at the subtitles, you can actually see a few words that are in the mix, but not up front. I mean, like this this movie you could literally say is the spiritual sequel to Life is Beautiful. You could. I was reminded of, you know, just a silent film, obviously, but they there were some parts where they had to bend over backwards to make sure nothing got said and that it would make sense that nothing got said because there's interaction between human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh and so, but that is one big style point of this movie is that there is one line is, is the, the big thing they were saying one line and it's to give huge emphasis to that one line where she says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And okay. But there are other spots. There's a spot where the mailman says, thank you. Thank you. When he's like, doing his uh, fake basketball shot. She says, okay, a couple times under her breath. Mm. And there's a driver who almost hits her, who I probably wouldn't have noticed this if it wasn't in the, the closed captioning. And so I actually did rewind it to see if I could hear it, but I saw it in the closed captioning. It was like, Hey, get out of the road or something like that. Mm. So, but I, I will tell you as somebody who didn't have closed captioning on, the only words that you hear are the ones that are set, said in the middle for the I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and, the okays I heard and the the thank you, thank you, you can kind of see him saying it maybe mm-hmm. more than hear him saying it. But yeah. And so, yeah, what what do they have to do to make sure that nothing gets said? Well, when she goes and speaks to someone who hates her before she has a chance to say anything, they spit in her face. And so nothing gets said. And the person who spit in her face, her husband stops, looks like he might be about to say something and then realizes, no, I I need to go with my wife who's upset right now. And so he doesn't say anything (laughs) when she goes to buy a bus ticket. What does she do? We skip it. So we're not going to see that interaction. We're not going to see that transaction. Uh, And then a lot of this film, it just rests on the main character here and and this actress is just alone in a house being stalked by or attacked by aliens or being observed and studied by aliens and it's just it's artfully done it's artfully done and they never made me feel like they were doing anything that was not realistic even though you could tell they're definitely working hard <laughs> but oh, it did sure there was still a level of verisimilitude. There was still a level of just this realism of life. And then there is music playing in the background that does have lyrics, but, but I, you know, is it, is it shtick? Is it, would you, would you consider it as a gimmick? And if it was, would it still, would it, would that be a bad thing? I mean, I I guess that's, that's really the question you have to ask with movies like, like this. It is a absolutely a stylistic gimmick. No, no question. But I would also say it has absolutely no problem with that. That is something that the, the filmmakers, I don't know all the 
what went into the process of them coming up with why they did that. I, I don't know about that. I didn't do any research or anything to find out about that. But that's a limitation that they set for themselves. And they said, what if we did this with this limitation? Can we make it work? And whatever else was part of that conversation, I don't know. But I'd say to them, yeah, you made it work. Nice job, guys. Yeah. Like, this is, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And, and, I, and I'm sure you've heard the old adage um, when a human loses one of their senses, be it seeing or whatever else, the other senses will compensate for the lack of the one. Uh, you know, you typically hear that with blind people, their sense of hearing is mm -hmm. overly attuned. Um, and it's almost cliche to say it, but I honestly think that it contributed that the lack of spoken dialogue in this movie, I think helped amp up the atmosphere to help support the narrative that's being driven on the screen. And I, I, I want to say big kudos to the actress playing the lead in this movie. It, it, it's hard enough to play a role where it's just you on the screen <laughs> for you know 80 percent of the movie and then on top of that you have zero you can actually say to carry the scene on top of that um you know i i, I would point you back to the early 2000s remake of when a stranger calls that I, that poor girl was not the actress that could carry something like that <laughs> So the actress's name is Caitlin Dever, and I don't know anything about her. She looks familiar, but I think the reason she looks familiar is because she kind of looks like the one, uh, is it the T-Mobile spokesperson? I can't remember. Yeah. Her name. But yeah, she does. She looks like a young version of the T-Mobile spokesperson and she's in stuff, but it's not stuff I've ever seen. It's, she was in Ticket to Paradise. I've heard of it but I've never seen it. I guess she was in last man standing the TV show with Tim Allen, I, but I never I watched that no, show. I never watched that show yeah. either. Yeah. So, I mean, she's, uh, but she carries this movie and she has to, she has to emote. She mm -hmm. has to carry us with her on that emotional journey where there is no crutch. It is facial expressions. It is, you know, breathing, it is body language. There is no crutch at all for her. There's also no one to play off of either. Mm -hmm. and I, and I can tell you having been a voice actor in uh, supersonic pod comics, not having somebody to play off of can be rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And even when she had someone on the screen with her, half the time they weren't even there with her because they're aliens <laughs> and yeah. they were green screen. I'm sure, I'm sure there was some practical effects, but for the most part, those aliens, the way they moved, they may have been a, a ball on a stick that she was looking at, <laughs> but um, no, she carried this movie. There's, there's two things that I would say for this movie that I don't know how this will work with it being a, a Hulu original. 
uh, with, as far as award season, but she would be one that I would say there needs to be some sort of recognition for her, her part Absolutely. here and the sound design. The yes. sound design is just fantastic. And, and without the sound design, you might as well be watching a silent movie, but that sound design with all the different special effects with the aliens and their, their own language, they speak, we don't know what they're saying, but they speak. There's some sort of guttural clicking and clacking going on. And there's, okay. I, I have to ask because yeah. you watched this, you watched this with the captioning on mm -hmm. when they spoke, did it show what did it, did it show what they said? No, 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 no. <laughs> it would just say alien clicks or something oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. No, no, they, they not. No such luck. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Like, especially if they would have come up with their own alien alphabet to put in the captioning. <laughs> it just, the thing is <laughs> at the end, you want to know what they're saying because there's some, a lot of ambiguity at the end where they are having a conversation in front of us and in front of her about her. And they make some decisions. Why did they decide what they did? What exactly did they decide? I don't know. We just know that when all is said and done, there's the, she's in her house. She's in her town. She's at the dance <laughs> and, and she oh breaks the fourth wall by looking directly at us. I just, I just had an epiphany about this movie. This movie is this generation's goths, uh, Donnie Darko. I could see that. I don't know if it's going to catch on in the same way. No, but I mean, like the stories are super similar and less dialogue and no Patrick <laughs> Swift and no, pa and no Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, I, I, you could give or take Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Well, I will give or take him, but uh, yeah. Uh, so that's the big style thing is just, you mm. have this whole, this whole movie, it rests on her. She's making it work. And then you throw in, I, I thought the whole thing was just going to be alien invasion mm -hmm. of her house because the mm -hmm. trailer is like, there are 10 million home invasions every year, <laughs> but no, nothing like this. <laughs> and right. So I, I, my, the note that I wrote down as I was uh, thinking about my first viewing, uh, I wrote down some notes right afterward was during act one. I thought, is this whole movie just going to be that one scene from close encounters of the third kind where <laughs> she's just running around her house and there, and it is very reminiscent of Clo close encounters. You have uh, electronic devices coming to life. You have lights coming through windows. You have screws coming undone. You have all these things happening. The difference is she doesn't have a child that she's trying to protect. Barry is not there. She's not running after Barry and trying to hold on to Barry's legs as they're pulling him by his arms. Maybe it's the other way around. I can't remember now, but, um, I, but I, I wondered, is this just going to be this whole, this whole movie? Because from the trailer, I'm thinking that's act three act one is strange things are happening and no one's listening to her. Cause nobody likes her for whatever reason. Act mm -hmm. two is her dealing with stuff. And act three is the big moment and instead, we start with the big moment. Right. Five minutes into this movie, there are aliens yeah. on the screen. This whole movie is the big moment. Like, this this movie is the big moment, the movie. Like, <laughs> it, once, the, once the home invasion 
happens in this movie, it, it doesn't, it doesn't downshift at all. It's just, it's nonstop intensity. It, if, it, if it's, if it's not kinetic, then it's anticipated. Like you, you could, Potential. That's the word I'm looking for. It's it's potential because it's you're just sitting there, you're waiting for the next penny to drop. Yeah, there. I think there's one moment when she goes into town and gets spit on, mm-hmm. where there's some emotional time. There's a moment for her to rest, um, and that was another super stylistic moment when she sits down in front of the mural of the girl with red hair. Mm-hmm. And she's literally sitting in front of what could be a memorial to her dead friend that, and, and her dead friend is this inciting incident of her life where it's changed her entire life because of what happened in that moment when her friend was killed. But she's sitting in front of this and all the way the hair is blowing away. So you have the face on the right side of the screen. She's kind of sitting on the left side of the screen and the hair is kind of blowing, uh, you know, flowing from the, uh, the giant painted mural face where it's almost like she's like lost in, in that person's thought or whatever. And, and so you, you get a little bit of rest there, but then she goes and gets on the bus and as they're driving, you see all of these, this evidence that aliens have been to other houses. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mailman who was in a car accident that should have killed him, but he's on the bus and he's walking weird <laughs> and he's got a weird throat thing going on where there's kind of ripples in his throat and he's coming after her. He has something specific. He wants to tell her. <laughs> so yeah it this movie's a lot like there there there's there's so much that you could unpack in a conversation and yet in a podcast medium like the movie guy inside me is like bro you've said too much like because like e- e- even if you're listening to this now I'm hoping that everybody who's at this part of the podcast has actually watched the movie because it is so much better to go into this without knowing anything about anything. And, but you can't not at least unpack the end end. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that momentarily here, but (laughs) um, let's talk about the aliens then. Okay. What'd you think about, what'd you think about the different, I mean, they're all one group of aliens mm-hmm. and they all seem to be one race of aliens with one exception. So you have all the aliens that have, that are humanoid, even if they have extra elbows and extra knees. <laughs> and, uh, but then you also have the weird cush ball alien. I don't yep. know what a kush ball is, but mm-hmm. I think that's the right thing. But that, I don't know. Is the, is this how they reproduce? It could be. We don't know. They don't say. Or is, are the aliens controlled by the kush ball? And the kush ball has brought the aliens here to just take over another planet. And because there's definitely mind control stuff going on. If a kush ball ends up in your throat, you're going to be in the thrall of the aliens. You're, you're, you're under someone else's control. The question is who's in charge. 
And or is it a those, symbiotic relationship? It, it could be. And and the other thing is, it could be just that the aliens just use those things. They carry them in their mouth because he he barfs that thing up for her. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's weird and gross and very uncomfortable and kind of Ima- cool because imagine if humanoids fed each other like parent parental <laughs> birds. But it's also she's being held against the ceiling, and he is hacking it up like a, a hairball and then it floats up from him to her. So he's dropping it in her mouth, but he's dropping it in her mouth where it's actually floating up to her mouth. So obviously not being dropped, but it's also not being spit. It's just gravity's not working very well in this, right. in this alien being being not alien being alien beam that they have going on there, which that was another terrifying sequence because i'm thinking <laughs> there's no way out there's yeah. no way out and the 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 worst part of the movie i think is actually that she gets rid of that thing so easily mm-hmm. um but that leads to the dream sequence where they kind of are putting her into the world that she feels good in and that she wouldn't want to leave. And I'm not sure how this all works, but they're putting her in the matrix. Yeah. They're putting her in the matrix and the matrix is a place where her friend isn't dead. And so they're going to say, okay, you just stay here and it's going to be all right. And we'll just control your body. I think that's what they're doing. We'll take control of your body and you sit here in your mind. Yeah. And then she says, I'm sorry to her friend. Something she never got a chance to say, which we'll talk about. And then she just reaches in her mouth and starts pulling that thing out and gets away. You know, and I'm glad they showed us what it's like to have one of those things, you know, just so you don't have that. Oh, but, you know, you don't know what it's like for them. It could be like a living hell for people who have those things like brain crabs and, and, uh, uh, Oh, people are going to shoot me now because I completely <laughs> forgot the name of the video game series that I was just making reference to, and that's just awful. Sorry, guys. Gordon Freeman would be mad at me. I can remember the character's name, but I just can't remember the name of the Half Life. Oh, okay. Half Life Two. Head crabs. That that was that was some good pod right there. Sorry about that. <laughs> so. We have the alien, the humanoid aliens. Then there's a small one, which I feel like is, is this little tiny guy meant to be a kid? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming meant to be a kid, but he goes down. He chases her around the house. He actually like puts his arms out and is like ah, like he's reaching out. It could be a 3D movie where it's a, ooh, and he comes out yeah. after her like that. Um, there's the humans, adult sized ones. That there's a couple of them, but. That's who first comes into her house is this human adult size one. Yeah. And this is where things start. And I'm thinking this is going to be, this is going to be the whole movie. What's going on. And then she stabs it in the head with the kind of bell tower steeple of a school from a a model that she's building. Yeah. And it's just this, I was shocked. (laughs) I was shocked when it happened. And part of a sound design where all of a sudden quiet but part of it was just she's shocked herself. Uh, she didn't intentionally stab, 
she got spun around and it just happened to stab in the right place when her arm was f- still kind of flinging around. But, um, and she kills one of them like, and she doesn't just kill one throughout you, this whole time. Do you know what creeped me out the most about that, that kill you're talking about with that steeple though? What is the, the jaw constrictors constrictors that the alien does in that scene? Uh, yeah, very, very characteristic of what happens to anybody who suffers that type of a, a, a tra- brain trauma, uh, those muscular constrictors. So I'm like, someone did some homework here, <laughs> and it, I am uncomfortable. Well, and that's where, I mean, I say there's pathos. Like, you actually feel bad for this alien. Mm-hmm. Like, he's terrorizing her, maybe on purpose. Maybe he doesn't understand. I don't know at this point. Maybe he's just getting frustrated with her because she's not complying. Yeah. But she kills him and he has this look on his face like, what just happened? I'm 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 dying. You know, and you feel for mm-hmm. him. And that's where I don't know if I would say that this definitely deserves special effects, you know, visual effects mm-hmm. uh, award season time, but it's effective. Yeah. It is effective. Uh, she kills, uh, the big one. There's a giant one that comes after her that actually like crawls over her house. And it's like, there's no way she's going to get out of this one. And this is where what I think one of the weaknesses of the movie is the intelligence level of the aliens. Mm. Like this big guy didn't need to chase her through the car, but he gets stuck in the car. He breaks the gas the gas tank and she happens to have Chekhov's lighter. And so she's able to set fire to the gas and blow up the alien. So she, she gets another kill under her belt mm-hmm. and she kills the, the mailman in his throat thing. Uh, she's able to kill it because she kicks him off of her just in time for a beam to come down and he breaks his back. And it's, she's just a scrappy little fighter. Who's going to do whatever she can to survive. Oh, for sure. And she makes it through the movie, you know, like she's the only one who's standing up to these aliens because she just happened to be able to, I think, kill that first one. If she hadn't been able to do that, none of this movie would have happened. Mm -hmm. But because of that, it sets a path. But I'm just thinking they have all this technology, but they're still coming after her on foot and letting her kill them with a mop, which is how she kills the the little guy which is another one where it kind of felt bad for him but not as much because he was definitely doing things to be scary oh yeah and that little guy was scrappy too so i mean he's just a little punk man like he's... <laughs> <laughs> but he had extra elbows and that's where we get you know we don't get human speech but we get different alien communication you also mm-hmm. see some communication with the aliens where they're moving their arms like these quick motions and the like they're the, fl- like they're giving flag signals to yeah yeah it's a what, pedophore Se- yeah semaphore semaphore yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. no a pedophore is a small cake that's right <laughs> petit four which actually means uh small oven i think being the being the canadian or former canadian of the conversation here i'll take your word for it <laughs> Yeah, definitely take my word for it and just accept it and don't check me up on it because I might be wrong. But 
but yeah, doing semaphore with the flags and that's, there's some cool things with that. The, one of the giant aliens says that too, where they're just doing yeah. the hand signals to say, here she is, pick her up. Of course, then she kills the mailman, but yeah, it just, they do such a great job of creating the world and I don't understand everything about the aliens, but I feel like they are very consistent. I don't feel like they ever like change something along the way just Mm -mm. to fit the plot. I feel like they have, they've thought this out. They've figured out the plot, figured out what the aliens are going to be like and made sure that they go together really, really well. Uh, But then you, (laughs) then you have that final, final thing where they, they get her, they pull her into the UFO put her on display and then they enter her thoughts and we (laughs) enter her thoughts. Yep. And we get to see what she did. That was so horrible that that one lady is going to spit in her face. We get to see what she did that she writes to her friend in a letter before we know her friend is dead. I can't believe it's been 10 years or whatever it is. Uh, I saw your parents today. You know, we get to see why did she hide from those parents at the, at the cemetery and we see that she actually killed her friend. They got in an argument. She got knocked down. She picks up a rock and stands up. And it's basically the same move that she used to kill that first alien. Yeah. Where she swings her arm around and strikes her friend on the head. It's and... an absolute Cain and Abel moment. Yeah, no, definitely the idea of Cain and Abel, um, where it's yeah, but it's just this emotional moment too. Yeah, and she's trying to stop herself, like she's standing there as an adult looking at her as a child, and she's trying to stop herself. Of course, she can't because it's, it's her memory. It's a thing that's mm-hmm. already happened. Um, and then the aliens have a conference about it and talk about it. And next thing you know, she's back in her house. She's got her model city all together. And she goes outside. There's people taking care of the garden <laughs> and they all wave at her in unison mm-hmm. and they all have wobbly throat things going on and she's happy and she's, she's dancing happy. She's dancing. There, there's she goes a, to, there's a legitimate uh, dance scene at the end of this movie. Beloved. I mean, like for real, it's, it's choreographed and it's, is set to this old song that we've been hearing throughout the movie and she dances and she is happy. And she is the only one who is not under control of the aliens. And then we see her, she looks at the screen. She's just so happy looking at us. And then we pan up and we see there's just UFOs in the sky. Like, have they just taken over this region? Have they taken over the world? We don't know, but she's happy. Earth took an L, but she got a W. <laughs> and that's what's so wild about this movie is the way it ends. Like, wait a minute. What? She, yeah. I thought it might be a thing where, oh, she's so honorable. It's like Predator, you know? Like right. the other Predator too, where uh, Danny Glover has just said such a great job against the predator that the other predators come and like, we respect you. We're going to give you this gun and we're going to leave. It's like that. Only the difference would be 
we like you, we respect you, we're going to give you this gun, and now we're going to stay here, all of us, and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, but we respect <laughs> you, Danny Glover. I, I read it I read it more like, oh, yeah, she's had a hard enough time. Um, you can join our society because yours rejected you, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it turns out the aliens were better people anyway. It could be. It, that, like that... That that was that was like the key message I got from the film is that yeah the aliens were better people so she's happy with them and they I mean it was a non it was intended to be a non-violent invasion right as long as you don't consider uh non-consensual uh weird ball alien things getting as shoved long down as you your don't throat. mind getting brain roofied right but i think everyone who is under control by uh, of the aliens are in the matrix so to speak yeah they're all happy now i don't know what they're going to be used for i don't we don't know what the intentions of the invasion are it's whatever the intentions of the invasion are it's keeping humans alive <laughs> Earth is just the Tim Hortons of the universe at this point. <laughs> They're just coming to hang out. It's, it, this is ours now. This is ours now. Uh, one of the things I found really interesting is from the beginning, one of the very first things that, that she does, and this is why it's so important, is because they, they make sure you see this early on. She's building a town. Mm-hmm. She's building kind of her perfect town it's an idealized little town that she's building in her house and it gets ruined but she's building it and then at the end she's living in it it's it's the town that she actually lives in but it is now idealized right and everyone's happy and they're gonna dance with me and they're gonna love it and i'm gonna love it and it's just she's she goes from creating a facsimile of reality to entering and living in a much mm-hmm. stronger facsimile of reality you know and you could almost say you could almost say that this this movie could could you know if you want to have a creepy pasta for it like this movie could just be a woman having a psychotic break Mm -hmm. and this is all from her perspective as she's becoming more and more insular into her own mind and like the reality of the situation is she could just be sitting in a padded room somewhere and this is all just happening in her head go the whole saint elsewhere ending Mm -hmm. and and a fourth reading you could have is that she actually is under control by the aliens this is the new uh the new matrix that they create for her is one where it's like, eh, we're letting you just be you, you and no one else is, you know, and you're going to like this one instead. Um, but I, I choose, I choose not to go with that one. I, I, I go with this is, they've done this and they said, we're going to let you live in it. And we, we like you, we like you. And they give her that fake reality, but it's actually the physical earth that she's living mm-hmm. in instead of just in her head. So yeah, I just, 
There's so much to this movie. The other thing I've been trying to think through is like, what kind of weak connections are there here? What kind of spiritual applications can you get here? And the one that I just come down to for me is, is that matrix kind of thing where mm-hmm. I'm just thinking to myself is, you know, the red pill or the blue pill or whatever, you know, like you go back to that where choosing, do you want to understand and know what's real and know what's true or do you want to live in a false reality that's perfect for you and, and that you can choose to be in and she's made her choice. Like she, she likes it and it, it it's, it, there's just so much to, to think about mm. and which is fascinating in a movie with, with almost no words, you know, and another point you can take away from it too. And this is just me kind of grasping at the air. Cause I totally didn't even think about it on that level. Um, is that just because your indignation is understandable, doesn't necessarily mean that it's justifiable. Like yeah. in, in, in reference to mods, parents, um, mod being the dead girl. Um, because you know, it's, it's been 10 years. And let, let's face it, at at most, uh, the main girl was like eight when the thing happened. Tell me you thought through your actions when you were eight. You know what I mean? Um, well, and it's it's like what they say where how would you feel if your worst day was the day that defined you for the world? Right. And. And that's absolutely the moment here is that's her worst moment, but it has defined her for that entire mm-hmm. town forever. And the funniest part of it is, is if, if they could have opened up and forgiven her, they could have been forewarned and better forearmed mm-hmm. for the circumstances at hand. So you could, you could almost really see it as their begrudgery is what ultimately what doomed them. Yeah. And, the the thing that I keep coming back to well, as I'm trying to think through, like, what does this movie mean? Quote unquote mm-hmm. is just that this ending is not a good ending. This ending is a happy ending for her, but it's a little bit nihilistic. It's, it's a revenge fantasy in some ways where she gets to have all of these people live in the revenge world that she wants to live in where they are under control. Mm-hmm. They are slaves. They're enthralled to the aliens, whatever their agenda is. These people are now enthralled to it. And I don't know how it could have gone differently. You know, mm-hmm. the, it is the kind of thing where she benefits from the bad that happened, but I don't know if she could have done anything to help the bad to not happen. Like that would have been out of her control, maybe. Right. Because what I was expecting is when I realized she was allowed to live, I was expecting that those aliens said, (laughs) you know, it's a Star Trek thing. Oh, maybe humanity is, there is something good about humanity or, you know, where like the (laughs) aliens are like, we're testing you to see if, if humanity deserves to survive. And, um, and they, because she fought so hard, but she also, when she kills her clone, which we didn't even talk about her clone, mm-hmm. she weeps. She weeps over that. Like yeah. she's not an unrepentant uh, murderer. 
you know, she feels bad that she has to kill this, this other creature that is going to kill her first. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we have Chekhov's box cutter. It's, <laughs> which I did not notice the first time I watched this two times. Now, first time I watched it, I'm like, where in the world did that box cutter come from? She just took it out of her pocket and I rewound it to see like, yeah, she just pulled it out of her pocket. Well, then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, she does grab that when, you know, she's getting ready and she's trying to, uh, Swiss family Robinson, her house a little bit to be ready for the aliens when they come back the next night. See, I was thinking Kevin McAllister, but we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Home alone or, or signs too. Like she's getting a bunch of boiling water Yeah, and, you know, the water doesn't work on them the same way that, that it does in signs, but. Well, boiling water will work on pretty much anything that lives yeah. within the climate yeah. that's around us. I did just read one of those, you know, cinema think pieces or whatever about signs where they were talking about how um, that water could have been holy water mm. and the aliens demons. And that's why that water, because he's a, he's a, a pastor or a priest or whatever, but no, I still don't. Cause they were trying yeah. to make excuses for why would the aliens come to a planet that's two thirds water if they can't survive water, like one rainy day and it's over for them. But yeah. Uh, but signs is another movie that I thought about when I was watching this one, because I could see why it's, it's that classic gray alien style of, of look that they were going with. You got, you got the gray aliens, you got the secluded house in the woods. You've, so you got that sense of isolation, you know, you got the, the pariah of sorts that lives there. It's just, instead of having it be like four people living out there, it's just the one person. But yeah, I could, there's a lot of like, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other alien style movies that you can see nods to throughout this entire thing. Yeah. Um, well, this definitely was not created in a vacuum. This was no. created. At, and I would say is one in a long line of good alien movies. And this one is a standout this year for me. Yeah. Um, and with it, with it being a mostly silent movie and how it's shot, like the more, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I kind of want this, this, the Zack Snyder version. If you, you know what I mean? Let's, <laughs> I let, don't, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> let's, let's make it black and white. Let's add some film. Oh, okay. Let's, you know, let's go Kurosawa with it. You know, film grain, black and white, maybe, maybe put some uh, analog, uh, noise in the in the uh tape as well to put some crackle on the uh audio track to give it that gritted up feel and let's make it like a 1950s uh sci-fi flick you know earth's invaded Mm -hmm. yeah that that would be interesting because there's been some times when they have done that where they've yeah like the the zack snyder but they also um well werewolf by night they're releasing in color yeah. So if they, they, if, they if started they really, black and white and I, I, I've uh, heard, that's only something I've heard about, but like, if they put it in color, like I would want them to put it in like the kind of greasy technicolor that they would colorize oh, yeah. things with instead of just giving you the actual color shot, you know? Yeah. Start, you start know, with, I, 
start with black and white and white and then recolor each frame, I guess. Well, and I'm not sure what direction it goes in cuz I don't know if they did like desaturate it to make them black and white or if they did mm. something up front. But I did just read a uh, a making of Young Frankenstein where Mel Brooks from day one knew it needed to be black and white, needed to be black and white. And the studio tried to convince him, let's shoot it in color, but then we'll release it in black and white. And Mel Gibson, or not Mel Gibson, Mel Brooks was just like, no, there is no way we're going to do that because I know if we do that, you will release it in color. And so we're shooting this in black and white and good. On definitely. Him that. What's that? I said, good on him for that. Yeah. No, it, the whole story of the making of that movie is really, really interesting. But anyway, I think, you know, to do a, a black and white version, a scuffed up version that does feel like it could be of a piece with the day the earth should still add in some, some theremin music. (laughs) Oh, for sure, man. You're like, like you're like, even, even just re redub the whole movie, you know, just being as the movie's all Foley anyway, so just like completely redubbed the whole movie uh, with the old. Yeah, dude, that would be that would be fantastic. Like, it, on, it could be pretty cool. On par it, with the Fly movies that we did that one year. Yeah. So yeah, there's some weaknesses behind the movie. There's some things where I was asking questions. One big one was when she gets the bus ticket. And all of a sudden she's wearing a hat and sunglasses. It's like, where did, are you disguising yourself? Like what, what is this about? What, why are you doing this? I got the feel like she was trying not to really be seen. Like the, the one thing that we haven't talked about is there are side glances at notes throughout the movie as well. That suggests the main character is suffering with an extreme form of, uh, uh, anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's socially induced anxiety. Um, so like she is constantly in her discomfort zone throughout this whole entire movie anyway. Um, so I, I think it's one of those things like she's trying to partly trying to block out the world and partly trying not to be recognized because she is the town pariah on top of it. So um, I just, she must've gone home to get those because <laughs> Well, I mean, she, she didn't have them with her. You, you, she could have also hit the gift shop at the bus station. That's too. true. That's true. But I mean, any any nitpicks I would say from this movie, I, it, that's exactly what it is, though. This it's just so well done, and I, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. And I, I feel like this is my top movie of the year right now. Yeah, so far, so far for me, it's it's a contender. I'm trying to think. I, I'm trying to think offhand if there's anything that came out this year that I would put above it, and I can't. Like, I haven't seen a lot, mm-hmm. but I, I don't. I don't think that there's anything on. I'm like, yeah, that was definitely better. Um, I think. Resident Evil Rise was a better experience, but that had more to do with the people I was with and where I saw it than it was so much the movie in and of itself. So, um, yeah, strong contender for my movie of the year. I'll, I'd put it there. All right. 
Well, let's wrap this up. John, where can people find you online? Uh, there's a lot of places you can find me, but the the one I will point out for this episode would be go check me out at Playing Games with Strangers. That is an actual play D&D or tabletop RPG podcast, rather. We are changing systems soon. Um and uh, depending on when, if this comes out before Halloween, which I think it will. Uh, you yeah, can... this is definitely my next episode I'm putting out. So Awesome. Then you can uh, go check Ben out on our Halloween episode that will drop around the same time period that this does as well. So if you want some kind of crossover, that, there's that. And he was the best player of the session because me and Squid showed up with the same character energy and... <laughs> who <laughs> i i've done this twice now with you guys and i it's it's difficult because you guys just already have this kind of almost shorthand as far as like how you guys think and work and you and i, I always feel like because it's, it's, it's improv you know yeah. there's there's an element of improv and i always feel like i'm just stepping on people's toes i'm stepping on their lines i don't want to but I got to say something because I'm here to do this character. I, I don't know what to do. It's get in where you fit in. That's the rule of it right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it. And it was uh, uh, not at all what I expected. I didn't know what to expect. None and actually, you told me don't expect anything because we don't know what's going to happen with the Josiah uh, was the running game master. It. So. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, Playing Games with Strangers, what's the website again? Uh, www.playinggameswithstrangers.com Perfect. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see when we can get you on for, for some sci-fi instead of some... Well, I guess this was sci-fi. So, yeah, never mind. We'll get you on for some more traditional, tropey sci-fi. Well, this was pretty tropey, too. <laughs> Anyway, this this Star this, Trek is what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is Star Trek. That's what I'm going for. This might this might be the most this might be the most stereotypically Strangers and Aliens episode I've been on. Is is what you're saying? Yeah, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no, this is just a pretty straightforward sci-fi movie. There's a little bit of a scary element to it. This would not be a bad movie to say. Hey, I want to watch something on Halloween that's a little bit scary. Okay, yeah, do this. But uh, but it's also just a straight out aliens are coming. We need to fight against them. And I did get Predator vibes from it as well. A little bit, yeah. Um, especially have you seen Prey? I have. I can't not. Remember if I talked about it with you Prey or not? Nope. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not great. It's not perfect, but it is more of a low budget prestige thriller than a uh, big budget predator movie. So that seems to have worked for it. I guess I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. It actually prey feels like it's of a piece with this movie here mm. and they're both on Hulu. So if you get the Hulu one month subscription and watch those two movies, <laughs> Uh, strangers and aliens and uh, playing games with strangers are not affiliated with Hulu broadcasting. We are not. Although I have looked in to see if they have a, uh, uh, what do you call the affiliate links or whatever? Right. They, they, I think they do, but then I'm like, ah, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell out to the man <laughs> yet. Actually, that's not true. I, I probably, depending on what the sellout would be, I, I'd be willing to sell out. But anyway, that that takes me to a conversation that I had with Ice T once, but that's a that's that's a different podcast. <laughs> All that said, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this movie if you've seen it. And uh, we'd love to just hear from you about anything, really. If you have a movie suggestion that you'd like to see us talk about, love to hear that. Uh, and we're, like I said, trying to put out episodes. But Evan and Steve, scheduling is a little difficult. And so it is nice to have some some fall guys like like John that I can rely on. So Hey, you know, if you, if you want to do some Star Trek... Uh, I may be able to even pull some of the other guys from the bottom shelf. So I want to see if I can get anyone from the bottom shelf to come and talk about star lost, which is the new podcast that I have. That's up from the ashes. Do you know about that? No. Okay. I, I'm you're blindsiding me, Ben. Yeah, so we're on episode six or seven right now. Star Lost is a TV show from the 1970s, 1973 to be exact, where we talk about an episode of that show 50 years to the day after it uh, debuted. So it's a it's one of those TV after shows, but it's 50 mm-hmm. years later instead of like oh, a week geez. after. Um, but the Star Lost is considered to be one of the worst sci-fi TV shows of all time. And... It's definitely in the running. I disagree. <laughs> I like it, but it, it it it's in the running. And yeah, so we just talk about the episode, talk about science fiction tropes that it tries to address. Like the last one that I did with someone, uh, we're talking about artificial intelligence. In 1973, they're talking about the dangers of letting a computer be in charge. And, you know, and actually, I mean, they've been talking about it since the 50s. But um, yeah, it's called Up From The Ashes at upfromtheashespodcast.com and I I think that I'm going to try and get you or someone else from from the, the bottom shelf to see if they could join me on it because I think you dig it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk about that off air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for now, I'm going to say thank you everyone for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us, uh, you know, you can put a, a comment in the YouTube link. Or you can send us an email, whatever you might want to do. If you're listening on the podcast, this is an episode that's probably going to be released on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash strangers and aliens. If you're watching on YouTube, we are also a audio podcast where we have episodes that get released there as well. You can find us wherever you can find podcasts. And for everyone, whether you're watching or listening or whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whether you're in the matrix or not, I just want to wish you Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. 
Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. I'm just one calorie not Evan enough.